How are the MAGA hat kids and the protests in Venezuela related? I'll give you a hint. Unjust war demands media suppression. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6, so I try to be. I am on until 6. I'm not starting at 3. But I'm off next week for the Super Bowl. Uh, There's just too much going on in Atlanta, and you'll have lots to do. Um, Speaking of which... Uh, shop and save with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Sunday coupons up to $408. Plus, get a 48-page bonus section with everything you need to know about events and entertainment as Atlanta prepares for the football game. So get ready, Atlanta. And I have now, because I am uh, starting a little bit late, I had just a complete show ready for the lessons of the MAGA hat kids. I peeled the onion more than anybody else. Even my trusty producer Binkley's right here. This is right up his alley, the MAGA hat kids stuff. He absolutely nailed it that uh, this was a setup for media suppression and um, the idea being that uh, original facts need to be curated. When Binkley and I got purged from WordPress, uh, Binkley, I credit you with the observation that maybe they're trying to silence people for uh, in advance of some what might be unpopular military action. So I see, I think we might even have mentioned Venezuela as a possibility. You know, with the Venezuela story, I hadn't considered that, but you just opened my eyes with your intro there. Yeah, I just uh, pulled it together. But before, so now, so I already had all this stuff about the MAGA hat kids that just, as I dug deeper and watched just hours of video and really got to the bottom of it, I thought, <laughs> uh, Scoggy Claus tweeted me, hey, don't forget to talk about Venezuela. And I was like, uh, I don't know. You know, I've been checking CNN and Fox all day, like, Nobody's talking about it. And then I just like went to a Canadian website and it's like our BBC even, which, you know, I really don't trust. But I mean, it's just all (laughs) over. Like things are hot. And then when I started plugging in, I mean, I should have really been aware, but I was totally immersed in this MAGA hat kid thing. Uh, So then the, the Venezuela, just the stuff, there's just too much to sort through. But what I have found, I think are threads that we need to pull on. And I feel like I got a a good start on answering some of the questions I had, and I want to share that. But before we move on to that, the one thing I have to point out about the MAGA hat kids. So if you don't know this story, I can't get into the whole thing, but it was um, the story of the Covington Catholic boys at the Right to Life March and the, the iconic few seconds of one of the boys appearing to smirk at a... Um, a Native American older man called a Native American elder. Uh, I don't even know if he has like that kind of status because so so much BS came out about the this guy. wisest man alive. Yes, an active, peaceful, sacred. Uh, this sacred man who later led fifty <laughs> d- people with drums to disrupt a sacred mass at the Basilica. Uh, but this guy 
So uh, this this confrontation was taken out of context and went viral, whatever. And then when when it was the broader context was exposed, the message very quickly became basically a rerun of the BuzzFeed message from the week before, which is how are people supposed to tell truth from fiction? How is someone supposed to weigh the value of a plausible story delivered by named credible sources and an implausible story delivered by phantom anonymous sources? I just, it's a conundrum that the media has been grappling with for several weeks now. And they put this in that, in that kind of, meanwhile, the Buzzfeed story, this thing, it's just the first thing you think is anonymous sources, trash, or obviously out of context, wonder what really happened. Like us thinking people can actually do that still. But uh, so that became the next layer of the story. And it reminded me of in Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, or what Binkley said about Stacey Abrams losing is winning. Alinsky says, always make lemonade. You got a problem, turn it around. Use a theme you need, apply it, even if the facts don't match. Like uh, Saudis did 9-11 or Al-Qaeda, whoever, invade Iraq. Whatevs, you know, close enough. So, but as I looked... The thing about the MAGA hat kids that really uh, got to me that people were not emphasizing was there's a two hour video by uh, some of the the guys, black Hebrew Israelites. And um, so for two hours, they were hurling insults at people. Basically, I didn't watch the entire two hours of that, but it starts with them being very disrespectful towards the Native Americans who were there. So uh, they were just outrageous. They were rude. Um, and then when they, they ran into these kids who had just bought some MAGA hats on the street, and I thought that looked like evidence of a setup, but in reality, I know that the right to lifers are single-issue voters, and if they've got a right-to-life candidate or even someone who just claims to be like Trump, they are absolutely loyal. So these kids got their MAGA hats, and I believe it made them a target. So the black Hebrew Israelites were saying, uh, just hurling slurs. I'm sure you people, uh, everybody listening knows the story, but uh, uh, they were really, really obviously trying to provoke these kids into using words like that. Like the way, you know, Papa John was tricked into using words like that. Uh, so... And then the uh, Native American guy comes and they stand behind him. The black Hebrew Israelites prod him on, even though they had earlier been attacking the indigenous peoples. So what so and they were they had video running for hours. So it was clear to me that probably both these groups of people were there to uh, to provoke, 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 especially since it was the right to life. You know, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of people on the opposite end of your spectrum as that, as the women's march, whatever. And if they're wearing MAGA hats. So my impression was this, that this bait and tape or bait and film activism, I've coined that phrase, <laughs> uh, this, this um, design to provoke activism, which Binkley has turned us on to in blatant terms from indivisible where they're like, hey, I mean, what was the thing like, like a confrontation, you know, you know, 
precipitating a confrontation with a handicapped person or something is like great. Remember, they're like, go, if you're in yeah. a wheelchair, get your face punched and not be, and get it, make sure it's on film. That's what they train you to do. If you don't film it, it didn't happen. Is there what they tell them? All right, so th- so that fits the bill for this stuff. And and the thing that I the takeaway from this I felt was that. There's all this talk that Tim Cook got an award from the ADL for standing up against anti-government conspiracy theories, that because conspiracy theories hurt real people. But on the the this design to provoke activism really hurts people and hurts people even when the government is provoking terrorism. Like when you hear a story like what happened here in Atlanta, where this kid, this young man. I uh, was going to buy weapons from U.S. government operatives or agents in order to commit terrorism. I mean, there's a lot of evidence in the New York Times, on Fox News, even when Andrew Napolitano had a show, that these a lot of this terrorism stuff is provoked. And it's uh, those kind of provocations do real damage to real people by either getting real people to try to do bad things or by unjustly destroying their reputation as individuals for what you perceive to be a greater good. So it's this idea of social justice, but it's gotten at the expense of individual justice. And I don't believe there is such a thing as social justice, only individual justice. So I would just caution people to be, uh, to reflect no matter which side you're on, on this uh, design to provoke activism, where it takes stuff out of context, where it tries to precipitate a situation that in its full context does not demonstrate what you're trying to demonstrate, but you use it to, you distort it to make that demonstration. It's the old facts are facts, but truth is truth. Which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez spoke to in her 60-minute interview, which we played a clip of a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Do we have an episode number for that yet? That, we it don't will have... be up today, and I, okay, I'll tweet great. it. At propagandareport.libsyn.com. So, uh, so, so I don't, I don't believe in social justice. And when I, so that, so this also brings us to the Venezuela story. Because our argument, supposedly, is that we're, I have a, um, docu- a, a note, the note, uh, I have a note from May 2017. I have some a document from May 2017 where I said, oh, what to watch out for. Trump signaled, I don't know if it was in the campaign or shortly after he took office or what, but he signaled that he was going to intervene in Venezuela for humanitarian reasons, and he used the expression, which I had never heard before, Latin Spring. And it absolutely was a red flag to me because the Arab Spring whether provoked by George W. Bush or not, was definitely used as an excuse for intervention, not and not on a humanitarian basis. So what we've been doing really created humanitarian crisis. What's happening in Syria? So what we've been so I decided to figure out exactly uh, if if Venezuela is circling the drain because socialism is bad, because their leaders are corrupt and or incompetent. Or because we have done a lot to precipitate the crisis or a combination of those things. So I, I don't really care if it's going down for socialism or going down because they're incom- incompetent or corrupt. I cannot interfere. I, I believe in the law of nations, at least as a working model. It was uh, I saw it cited as the most relied upon 
treatise for our founders in founding this country, uh, Vitell's Law of Nations. And I think it's a good way for us to live in anarchy among states without a world government. Uh, so you can't interfere in other countries. And American exceptionalism means, yes, that's true. The law of nations holds and you cannot interfere in other sovereign countries. Certainly no one can interfere in this country. But we are an exception to that because we have the power and the wisdom. So I object to that, too. And I want to tell you, so I tried to dig and see what we've really been doing down there. And uh, boy, have I, I just scratched the surface and, I, and, and an avalanche descended upon me. So we're going to keep up with that. Uh, feel free to tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And, uh, and I'll take some calls, too, if you like. 800-WSB-TALK. Monica Perez. Bring big drama show. Let's go. Let's do it. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We're talking about the MAGA hat kids and Venezuela. They do fit together. And I'm taking calls, 800-WSB-TALK. Uh, and you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I'm going to Adam. Adam, you're on with Monica. Hey, Adam, can you hear me? Oh, dang. Alicia, is uh, line one locked? I can't hear it. Adam, are you? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right, what you got? Okay, thank you for taking my call. Um, so regarding the um, teenager in the MAGA hat and the Native American, mm-hmm. um, I've heard a lot from other um, talk show radio hosts, and I've seen the little snippet that's being played over and over. So I've heard about the Native Americans, uh, that he might have exaggerated his military experience, that there was, you know, some other video that happened before. But my question is, if you take all of that away and you just look at the teenager and the Native American, when did a smirk become abuse or not respecting someone? Like, how yeah. did that become white privilege? A well, smirk? that, the, and actually, when you look at that picture, you can see that. You could interpret it one of two ways anyway. So you can look at it and say, this kid's smirking. Or you can look at it and say, man, that guy is banging a drum in that kid's face. So is that kid kind of saying, all right, I'll play your little game or what? You know, you just have no idea. And uh, and you can't infer what people are thinking, especially in a situation like that. And the broader context does change everything. And I tweeted quite a few things, all those videos, plus an interview with that kid on today, which I consider to be a must-watch. Next, a laundry list of things we've done to destabilize Venezuela. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. They think they control the galaxy. I disagree. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I love my new drops. Uh, I am on till 6, as usual. But uh, started a little late, so there's a lot to pack in. I'm going to, we're talking, uh, we're moving on to Venezuela. I'm going to tell you all the things we've done there to precipitate the crisis that we're about to solve with um, an unjust military event, in my opinion. I'm going to go to Roy. Roy, you are on with Monica. Hey. Um, There's a couple things I wanted to point out. One of the big problems uh, with Venezuela right now is they owe so much money to Russia and to China, and that's where their national interests are coming in at. 
But the other thing for the United States, other than the humanitarian aspect of it, is oil. Because a lot of the refineries that operate out of the Gulf Coast, they can only process what they call dirty crude. It's sour crude. It's got a lot of sulfur in it. And a lot of the oil that's being produced in the United States is a very high quality, so they can't substitute it. Light, sweet. So if they can't get the oil out of Venezuela, we're going to see a shortage here in the United States, and that's going to affect gasoline, and that'll affect a lot of people here. So there's why do you think they owe Russia and China a lot of money? Well, because they've been uh, guaranteeing the loans uh, because they haven't been able to produce the crude. They've lost about half of their production in the last two to three years. They can't get it out of the ground. Why? They uh, ended up uh, nationalizing a lot of it. They kicked Exxon out. Uh, and because of that, a lot of the work that needs to be done to keep the production up has not been done. So the volume's gone down, and Russia and China have both loaned them money in order to keep the socialist government going. In fact, uh, Russia, I believe, uh, just signed an agreement so that they can yes. land their nuclear bombers there. Oh, one um, of the islands off the coast. All right, let's. I'm going to take this stuff one at a time. Thank you for the call, Roy. Uh, so this is the classic. If we don't, if we're not there, Russia and China will fill the void. But in reality, what happens quite often, and I believe it's true in Ukraine, Syria, and now Venezuela, is that we have oil and gas interests. Our government serves globalist oil and gas companies' interests and uses the U.S. government to do it. When this gives credibility to these governments uh, that they need to have, it demonizes capitalism. It isn't capitalism. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I believe that capitalism creates self-ordering societies and level playing fields. And exercising your self-evident right to self-defense uh, keeps people, other people in check. That the only way you get this oligarchical, hierarchical global structure is that you have governments empowered to tax and then use that money to bestow privilege at the expense of some people's rights. And when you have that and those imperialistic or globalist uh, injustices are detected by people in other countries, leaders come in and exploit that. So they'll say, Kind of like what Obama did. Obama's like, oh, the Republicans are totally corrupt. I'm a good guy. I am the benevolent socialist leader that you've been waiting for. And people believe it. And they elect him. Whether he is that person or not, the corruption of the other side empowers those people. And then, uh, so I've been looking at Venezuela and thinking, what are the elements? So the big talking point on the left is Venezuela socialism is causing massive collapse. Well... We're also trying to cause collapse there. And yes, it doesn't, I, I, I would not be a fan of, I, I'm not a fan of, you know, anybody who would be a socialist leader would not be up my alley, even if he were a good faith actor. And the corruption, the potential for corruption in a highly centralized country like that is, is too great probably to actually have a good faith actor. But we have such advanced technology in this world right now that I believe you can have a socialist system. I don't advocate it. I reject it. I'm just saying, like, Sweden had a pretty decent working or a, a system that was satisfactory to their people. They didn't really even have a two-party, you know, hardcore two-party give and take. The majority party was pervasive. And it was working fairly well until 
kind of weaponized migration was used to disrupt it. And uh, Libya, that Gaddafi did not, you know, the, the wealth amassed at the top, there's no question about that. But he did use some oil money for uh to to put a baseline of support again socialism i reject it i believe in private property rights all the way down to the center of the earth and actually all the way up to the sky i wouldn't let uh trail emitting jets you know fly overhead possibly i mean i'd have to explore that more but like in texas and oklahoma you have people farmers who got rich because they were on oil and gas rich land that's fantastic i love that and that would have solved problems in libya uh, but and in Texas, actually, it's not just the people who have it. The government does take advantage of that as well. And they pay for their university system from oil taxes. And to me, that is a socialist thing to do. But people don't really object to it because it kind of works. So at some so what's happening in Venezuela cannot strictly be explained by uh, the failures of socialism because they have I believe they sit on the largest oil reserve in the world, if I'm not mistaken. I read that several times. So, so okay, with the largest oil reserves in the world and a good faith socialist leader, you could have a less bad situation than they have now. So now you have the competing question of, is, it a, is this 100% because of the bad faith leadership or is it exacerbated, or 100%, from foreign intervention? Now, Bush... W. Bush, George W. Bush, uh, through an organization that was funded by the National Endowment for Democracy, which people, which is presented as a private, like funding group, but documents have revealed. I just tweeted about six different articles about it that Reagan uh, and his people established it in response to the bad press or the bad reputation the CIA was getting in the seventies. Uh, to do some of the <clears throat> kinder and gentler or mm, grassroots stuff uh, that the CIA was doing in foreign countries to affect regime change. So the National Endowment for Democracy has done a lot there. And what, and something, uh, an organization that was funded by them, uh, succeeded in getting a, a recount, a recount or a recall, a re-election of Chavez during Bush's era. And he won that re-election. So even if he is terribly corrupt, well, he's gone, but Maduro, even if they are terribly corrupt, you can't. Now, they're saying that the election wasn't real down there now. However, the credibility of the people who are saying that is at issue because the last time they said that, uh, that argument was defeated. And even if he is super corrupt, it's and even if the elections are no good. It's up to those people to deal with their own situation, and it is not our place to be in there. Because think about this. Our pe- pe- foreigners say about us, our people are disenfranchised. We have racism. We have hunger. Our elections are illegitimate. We say that. Illegals vote in our election. Uh, uh, voting systems are hacked. Russians have interfered. It would not be right for Canada to say, hey, enough is enough here. We're going in there. Ultimately, a government rests on the consent of the governed. Even if there isn't a democracy, you cannot govern. Ask Gandhi. You cannot govern if you don't have the consent of the governed. So what, so what we've been doing is this National Endowment for Democracy on their own website, it says. I mean, it's just too many 
actual items to to read. But I'll just start alphabetically from the top. Building strategic capacity for local democratic actors, cohesive strategic communications, defending human rights victims, developing tools for agile communication, uh, empowering citizens through local and national policy dialogue. I mean, think of that. Which citizens? All citizens? Who's communicating? Like, what is this? This is a this is a network. It's a ground. You know, there's like 25 of these things. So then you get our people saying that we're going to go in there for humanitarian reasons because it, it's not cool, human rights or whatever. So aren't those social justice arguments? So like Trump is now a social justice warrior. It doesn't work like that. There's only individual justice. You have to know what you're doing before you empower your government, the agents in your government, our military is empowered by one thing and one thing alone. They have the right to use violence only because we give to them our right to self-defense. We allow them to share in that right. We don't delegate it to them. We don't, we don't alienate it from ourselves. We let them share in it. So if you consent to them taking violent action in that country, you have to understand what individual's right are they defending and did that individual ask us or do we have a way to verify that that individual was in the right? I mean, you ha- it's individual. There is no such thing as collective social justice or any other kind. You have to think about these things morally. Stealing and killing is wrong. So uh, I want to play a clip that I think is the setup. So, so now you have this idea of self-defense. So on the left, they accept violence in the name of humanitarianism. On the right, people still have that touchstone of self-defense. So what happens is the, the trap is that we put people in harm's way, and then we say, well, they're Americans, and they are asking us to defend them. And I say we should not be there. We have no right to enforce laws in other countries. We should take our people out, and that's that. But here's the setup. So this is a um, something I, I don't know where I found it, but it's a YouTube video of Pompeo talking about this, introducing the man on the ground in Venezuela for us. We, maybe I'll take a break and then go to that. Uh, I'll tell you what it's about. So Elliot Abrams is our man on the ground in Venezuela. And I'd wondered why he was on my radar recently. And the reason is this. He has been deep... He was like an assistant secretary of state, I think. He's uh, the Middle East expert at the Council of Foreign Relations. He's had his uh, he, he's done work for the United States in a, an official governmental capacity in South America as well. He was, uh, but this is why he was on my radar when I did the Bill Barr show recently here about the uh, nominee for attorney general. I pointed out that he was a strong advocate for George H. W. Bush pardoning anyone who might have had to go to trial on Iran-Contra. And actually, Elliot Abrams took a plea on that, but they pardoned him anyway. So Elliot Abrams was knee-deep in Iran-Contra, was uh, indicted, I don't know if he was indicted or what, but he ended up pleading uh, out and then getting a pardon. So another deep swamper now in charge, I coined that too, deep swamp, uh, for Bill Barr, but it applies to Elliot Abrams, uh, is is our man on the ground. So he gets introduced in this video by Pompeo, and I just, I find his demeanor downright uh, 
frightening. And what Pompeo says is the setup for the war he's trying to get, or at least the invasion or the military action, the use of force to affect regime change. Uh, so let's get that after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Don't hate the player, hate the game, son. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Hey, got a prize pack for y'all. A family four-pack of tickets to Clark Howard Night with the Atlanta Gladiators Saturday, February 2nd at Infinite Energy Arena. Join Clark and save big with his exclusive discounts. Buy tickets to the game for just $9.55 at WSBRadio.com. First person to call 404-741-0750 gets the family four-pack. And we have enough time to play this clip, which I just want to have in the record. This is first, it's Elliot Abrams, who cannot contain how excited he is at uh, this opportunity. Do you have that uh, spooled up there, Binkley? Left this building 30 years ago this week, last time I worked here. So it's um, very nice to be back. This uh, crisis in Venezuela is uh, deep and difficult and dangerous, and I can't wait to get to work on it. Uh, there's been- yeah, so you should see I tweeted it, the video, like he can't stop smiling. I can't <laughs> wait to get to work on it. I mean, it didn't come across on his voice as much, but you, you should look at Monica Perez show. Uh, I tweeted it today. Now, now this is Pompeo uh, just setting us up. And the thing is, he just he's trying to justify it. And he has a Freudian slip. See if you can hear it. And I will I'll tell you what it is after we're done. Go. And uh, no activity that's taken more of our time over the past days uh, than ensuring the protection of all those folks that are under our chief of mission authority there. Uh, in Venezuela. We're working diligently to make sure that they are protected. There's no higher priority for the Secretary of State, and you should know no higher higher priority for the President of the United States. We've discussed this at some length. We've made clear to everyone that it is our expectation that what that the U.S. officials that are there that have now been invited to be there by Interim President Juan Guaido have a right. They have the privileges and immunities that accrue to having been invited to be there by the duly uh, the duly credentialed leader of <laughs> Venezuela. And uh, we have every expectation that those rights will continue to be protected. Uh, he's the, um, wait, wait, no, I'll think of something. Yeah. <laughs> the expression is duly elected, but that would apply to not this guy. So there you go. There's your setup. Watch your back. And uh, all I ask is don't consent if you can't. Uh, if you have no, it's my St. Peter test. When St. Peter says, did you consent to kill most people? You got to say, I couldn't consent. I, I really didn't know what the story was. Anyway, I'm not here next week. See you in two. Thanks, everybody. This is Monica Perez.